Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are back and we are here to update you on what the Tar Heels are doing on the 2021 recruiting trail. And boy, it has been fun over the last couple of weeks. And it all came to a culmination on Friday afternoon when the Tar Heels landed the commitment of Drake May, ended up flipping him from Alabama, and uh, that's where we're going to start tonight right away, just get into Drake May and what he means uh, for the Tar Heels in this 2021 class, and boy, Zach, we are just a few years removed from being in a quarterback room that really just wasn't all that strong. You had guys with a lot of upside like Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter, but I mean, you got to remember just just a few years ago, Nathan Elliott was our starting quarterback. Chaz Surratt was a guy that just could never seem to build off of what we saw from him in high school. Now, this quarterback room sits in a completely different spot with a guy in Sam Howell that's already established, a guy in Jacoby Criswell who's going to come in this year, and we expect to compete for that backup job with Jace Ruder, and looks like he has the tools to be very successful in this offense. And now, they have got the prize gem in the 2020 one recruiting class from the state of North Carolina and Drake May, who's there. So uh, just uh, how sensational in your mind is this turnaround from where this team was just a couple of years ago to where they're at now at the quarterback position? Well, I think, as you mentioned on the whole, I mean, you look where the quarterback room and where the team talent uh, level was, even if you want to go, you know, and straight out to the entire team, you've seen a drastic turnaround just through uh, the past few recruiting classes, not only this one in the uh, 2021 class, but finishing up the 2019 class and the 2020 class, and you see the impact that the Mac Brown hire has had, and, you know, you and I have both been mentioning that nonstop as we've gone through the podcast, specifically mm-hmm. the re- recruiting podcast, and it's really been 
you know, one of the biggest impacts that we've seen from this hire, and it kind of culminated tonight, you know, for Drake May. And uh, I think not only, you know, speaking on the quarterback room and the and the uh, talent pool as a whole for the program, but I think you look at Drake specifically, you had a, you know, you have a player that was a very specific legacy. So people are going to mention that, but it was, you know, a, a prospect early on that really wanted to, you know, go out and go to a bigger, uh, what they'd call quote-unquote a football school, wanted to go to, you know, an Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, places like those. So that's why you saw this, you know, early commitment to Alabama uh, last year in 2019. And really this flip over to, you know, to the in-state team, to North Carolina, really shows uh, the momentum that they've gained, not only in-state, um, offering themselves as the premier place to play in North Carolina, but offering up themselves as a potential elite program on the rise. Uh, this is not, you know, this is not just a place to stay home just because it's where you're from, just because it's home. It's a place to stay home because it's a place that you can have success. And I think that's the really big shift that led to, you know, this flip here that we have today. Well, I, I like that you're mentioning that because we kind of talked about it. Me and Josh did uh, just a couple of weeks earlier here on the podcast when we did an episode, and and, and we're mentioning, um, you know, there was a there was a fan that said, "Can Carolina win a national championship?" Someone responded, "No, no chance." I uh, wasn't a Toriel fan; it was someone else, and that kind of led to a debate. And you know, one of the things that's really interesting, I listened to the Cover Two podcast, which is a podcast that's done by Athlon Sports, and they always like to bring up. When it comes to championship pedigree, one of the biggest things that you have to be able to do is recruit at an elite level. And for a while there, Carolina was recruiting on a good level, but they were not recruiting on an elite level. 2020 was a great start, and it, it definitely looks like Carolina is starting to get into that area. This 2021 class, I think right now, is starting to show that Carolina's got a real chance here. They've been dubbed as a sleeping giant for many years, and I made the comparison to a team like Oregon is what I could eventually see them becoming. I still think that's a fair comparison, a team that is going to jump up there every so often and could make the college football playoff Oregon already has, could make a run even to a national championship game if enough things fall their way, just like Oregon has, but is really just a program that will be in the talking heads media in the preseason just about every year because they're going to have a lot of talent. And it seems like with Mac Brown there, that's that's pretty much what's happening. Carolina's right now number six in the 2021 recruit re- recruiting rankings for 24-7 sports composite team rankings. Here's the thing about the class. All seven guys are from the state of North Carolina, so they haven't even ventured outside of the state yet to try to get other prospects. And when you can keep guys that are in your state home, first of all, it's so much easier because you're going to be able to you know, maintain really strong connections with these guys because you're going to be able to travel and see them play during the season a lot easier than if you've got to go out of state to see guys in the state of Florida or Georgia. Um, but you know, I think Carolina will, will end up you know, getting the guys that they want in the state of North Carolina, which is what we've dreamed of, being able to basically cherry pick the guys that fit what you want to do. And then from there, you can expand out into the state of Georgia, which they've had a lot of success, into the state of Florida. But with Drake May, I feel like he's one of those guys that 
is is going to draw headlines. We saw not only today on social media, just from Tar Heel fans, but from a lot of the guys that are targets of the Tar Heels. Evan Pryor made a comment on it. Um, there, there were uh, Javari Ritzy made a comment on it after the commitment. So you can see that big time targets in the state are starting to recognize that not one, not two, not three. There's a bunch of guys going to Carolina instead of just one or two guys that are pretty much left with trying to convince the rest of the state to come there. So Carolina is making a real dent. Now, when we talk about Drake May, uh, I think this is one of, one of those guys that just fits this offense very well. And that's the same thing for Jacoby Criswell. Um, I think Drake, interest, interestingly enough, uh, out of the three quarterbacks, probably the least mobile. But he's a guy that is kind of sneaky athletic. He, he's not going to use his legs a lot to pick up first downs, but is a guy that can escape. That was one of the things, uh, you know, I went and saw him both years. I saw him as a sophomore and as a junior at Myers Park. Uh, and you could tell that there was a difference from his sophomore to his junior year. And the numbers will prove that, but really just a guy that looked more comfortable on the run. His first year in the system, I remember watch going and watching him play Butler and Butler was just able to get so much pressure on him and he just didn't really know what to do. He was a guy that was so used to winning from the pocket that in that game, it just threw him off. But when I went and saw him this past year, he was completely different, could move the pocket very well, and, and was still making all the throws that he needed to. Um, his touch on the football is, I'm, I'm not going to say it's at the same level as Sam's is, because I've already said that, especially on deep balls, Sam Howell is the best deep ball passer that I've personally seen at the college level um, in, in person. I think, you know, guys like Patrick Mahomes, I didn't get to see in person, but from seeing him actually in person, he's a guy that can drop it in just as good as any Tar Heel quarterback for sure that I've ever seen. And Drake May has some of those similar attributes. I think he's a little better with the the short to mid accuracy because he's able to lead guys a lot easier than some of the other quarterbacks that I've seen and watched film on. Um, and, and he's really just a, a guy that if he can add a little bit more weight, because he is a little bit thin at 6'5 and 210, he, he's going to have a chance to be a really, really good quarterback, especially in this system. Uh, I know you've watched some film on him. What, what's your takeaway from from the guy that is is a legacy of a Tar Heel, uh, former Tar Heel quarterback that many thought, uh, if he doesn't get injured in Mark May, uh, could have been one of the better quarterbacks to ever play at Carolina? Yeah, well, I, I, you mentioned sort of his athleticism. You can sort of mirror that back on the fact that uh, Drake himself is a basketball player, also there at uh, uh-huh. Myers Parks, and you know has that experience. And that's something that's sometimes discussed uh, with football prospects of, you know, do they play multiple sports? Do they play basketball? Do they do track? Do they do powerlifting? Do they do this side or the other? And that, you know, all of these sort of other activities when you have sort of another athletic event, another sport that you participate in. It shows some of those athletic skills. And I think it shows, like you said, that, you know, while he might not be um, classified, you know, as a true dual threat or as a running quarterback, um, I think he has definitely worked on his mobility, as you said. And I think that's something that you can sort of see in the fact that he's a pretty good ball player uh, on the basketball court. Um, as you mentioned, you know, I would not say that he has the best or has as good a deep ball touch as uh, our own Sam Howell does. But as you mentioned, you know, the short 
short and intermediate. I think he's got that down pat. That's really one of the main things that sort of the national media has focused on as being his strength is that Drake's a really cerebral quarterback, one of the most, um, I would say, cerebral or you know very knowledgeable of how defenses are orchestrated and how his offense is orchestrated in the country, which allows him to make quick decisions uh, from the pocket, allows him to make those short intermediate throws, allows him to lead his receivers and know where they're going to be. And even if his deep ball touch might not be at the level of St. Howell's, I feel like you know having that ability to get the right touch on an intermediate ball with the offense that North Carolina likes to run with the air raid office yes they want to go deep but they also want to put sort of these smaller shiftier athletes in space they want to put a Gavin Blackwell in space they want to put a Josh Downs in space they want to put you know uh, Coffrey Brown in space with the ball and let them get yards after catch and I think that's really the type of offense and the type of offensive approach uh, that Drake may can be really dangerous in yeah, I, I think that was one of the kind of knocks on Howell when when he came out and early last year was he, he just kind of sticks on receivers, doesn't go through his reads quite as as well as maybe a more advanced quarterback. Because I mean, again, they were comparing him to guys like Trevor Lawrence who who had already played a year. Um, but but I think with Drake, he he's ahead of the curve because you go back and watch his film from last year, and you can see there are times where he has to hold on to the ball because he just knows that throw is not there. A lot of other high school quarterbacks will try to force that throw. Drake is is able to stay calm and go through his reads, and it, it also helps when you've got a guy in Porter Rooks who ends up going to NC State, a guy in Moose Muhammad who ends up going to Texas A&M, Jordan Bly. you got all these different receiving options. But I like what you mentioned. At Carolina, if you look at the guys that are going to be your big playmakers over the next couple of years – they fit what Drake May does with the short and intermediate throws, which are guys like Josh Downs, who you're going to want to give the ball to in space. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to be throwing the ball deep to seven, eight times a game. That's just not the type of player that he is. Um, and, and But there are some other guys that will be able to do that. And if Drake May can end up developing that deep ball uh, to the level that, you know, maybe not on the same exact level that Sam Howell has it, but somewhere in that area, you know, guys like Steven Gosnell, who's coming in this year, um, as well as some of the other guys that'll still be on the roster, like Antone Green, who we think could end up being that deep threat going forward. It it could still help to have those guys out there and and give Drake May that option to be able to go deep. And I I think, you know, the sky's kind of the limit for him because just, I mean, the fact that he came in as a sophomore and did what he did at the 4A level in the state of North Carolina, leading a Myers Park team who had really given people a lot of hope over the you know prior two years, and to take them to the level where they're at now, where each of the past two years they've fallen short of going to a state championship game, and they're actually a little disappointed a lot of the fan base is that the fact that they haven't been able to reach, they're still happy with where they're at because he, you know, he almost has... I'm not going to say he's done it single-handedly, but he has been the guy that will be the face of what is revitalizing a dormant football program here in Charlotte. And, I mean, just look at his stats. I mean, in 13 games this past year, May threw for 3,512 yards, 50 touchdowns, just two interceptions, while completing 72.4% of his passes. Uh, That helped him earn Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of North Carolina and uh, also all-conference 
honors as well as all observer honors for the Charlotte area. And I mean, look, you know, his numbers, his senior year or sophomore year, excuse me, weren't far off. I mean, throw for 3,201 yards, 36 touchdowns, and just five interceptions as he earned all-conference honors yet again. So this is a guy that is just going, looks like he's just going to keep getting better. And I'm really intrigued to get out and see what he's going to do his senior year at Myers Park. But I mean, at this point, Carolina is just picking them up and knocking them down in the state of North Carolina. And this is a big one. And and I don't know about you, but I feel like not only is, is this big to land a quarterback commit in this class, I think guys that may have been on the fence now, if they were on the fence, guys like Evan Pryor, um, who we think is getting close to a decision, guy, a guy like Javari Ritzy, who is kind of, most people believe, down to North Carolina and NC State. I think this is going to help Carolina a lot with guys like that because they're going to see, man, Carolina is bringing in now the best quarterback in the state, one of the best players in the entire country. I think this could have some big, big uh, reverberations here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I think that you, um, you know, when you get a guy like this, usually when you're building a recruiting class, you want to have, um, if you're going to have a ringleader of the entire class or even just of the offensive class, you want it to be your quarterback. I mean, the quarterback, generally speaking, is the leader of your team, is the leader of your offense, and there's not really one that's a better choice specifically for this North Carolina program, guy from the state of North Carolina, legacy prospect. I mean, you, you almost couldn't write this better. It's just so, you know, it fits so perfectly. And I think, like you said, it's, it's a uh, it's a situation in which a lot of guys are going to look and say, hey, that's a guy I want to play with. That's a guy, you know, that I've seen play in high school. It's a guy that I have played with or against in, you know, seven on seven and things along those lines. So I think, you know, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, that have been targeted, maybe not that are closer decisions or on the fence, even some that, you know, I'm still open right now, it can push up that decision timeline. So I think that there is definitely a significant chance that Drake May's commitment could have a, uh, a domino effect in how UNC um, really pursues its offensive recruiting going forward over the next few months going into the 2020 season. And so, uh, well, we, we talked about it. Drake May now the headliner in the class. But, of course, there is other reasons why this class is as high as they are ranked right now, which is sixth in the country. And, of course, uh, there have been some uh, a ton of commits uh, since we were last able to get on here because of just uh, some crazy work schedules and everything like that. But it started uh, when Power Eccles committed uh, just a couple of now, probably about a month ago now, um, actually more than a month ago, back on January 25th. Um, and Power Eccles, look, special guy. We talked about him on this podcast when we were breaking down our uh, top 10 guys uh, that we thought we needed to get uh, on K- into Carolina in the 2021 class. Uh, and he was our number one guy. He was my number one guy. Uh, no, he was your number two guy. That's right. You had uh, Ra Ra Dilworth up there at number one. But, I mean, this is a guy that's a special player. Uh, you want to talk about just a guy that plays with his hair on fire. I mean, he's everywhere on the field at Carolina. To bring him in, to bring in a guy that many people in, in this area, in the Charlotte area, say that he, he might end up being 
when it's all said and done after his senior year, the best prep linebacker that maybe has ever played in this area. Uh, this is this is one of those ones that when they landed this commitment, I figured that this would have a big effect. And as we'll find out here soon enough when we talk about the other guys, it really did. What was your initial thoughts on, on, on Power Eccles' commitment? And I'm assuming now it's probably standing in about the same area as he actually has started to climb some of the recruiting rankings throughout the country. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, he was very high up on board in terms of guys that we really wanted Carolina to land. Um, you know, with this, one of the premier inside linebackers in the country, like you said, really just a guy that will go out and get you double digit tackles in a game on a consistent basis and has done so at the high school level. Um, with guys, um, you know, getting older, you'll see, I believe, Chas Rat will be a senior this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremiah Gimmel, a junior, there's going to be openings there. And really, you couldn't ask for a better guy in that competition than Kyle Reichel's. Not saying he's going to come in and win the job. I want to make sure that that's clear. But, you know, you cannot find a better talent and inside linebacker in the state of North Carolina, right. in my opinion. Or pure inside linebacker, I should say. It's really just, like you said, they're talking about this guy as one of the best ever in the Charlotte area position. You go watch that film, you see an absolute defensive machine I think that it'll be a key cog in the J-Baven defense and I'm really excited to have this commitment yeah I uh I'm that bold guy that I think when when he gets there, especially if he early enrolls next year, he will win that job that Chad Surratt will leave behind because especially if he can just put on a little more weight, he's got everything that he needs to be that special linebacker. He's You talked about cerebral with Drake May. That's exactly what Power Eccles is on the defensive side of the football for you. He's a leader. He did it as a freshman when he was first at Vance. He was a guy that was looked at amongst a, a group of players at Vance where, that, I mean, they, they've gone on to play a lot of college football. Most of that roster over the last few years has, has played somewhere. And he was the guy that was always seen as the leader because he's smart. He doesn't get out of position, but he's aggressive at the same time. He'll come up and make tackles that a lot of other guys might be afraid to try and make because they're going to get out of position. And, and, and if they miss the tackle, it could lead to something bigger. Eccles is just that smart and that athletic, and he covers a lot of space. You, you, we talk sideline to sideline linebackers. That's what Chad Surratt has developed into. That's exactly what Power Eccles will be from day one. He can cover a lot of space really quickly, and that's also going to help in coverage because he's a guy that if he has to get matched up against a tight end or if there's a running back coming out of the backfield, this isn't a guy that you're fearful is going to be in trouble. And, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, Jeremiah Gimbel this past year took a major step forward, becoming a, a leader of this defense, a good volume tackler. But at times when he would get matched up against some of those quicker running backs, you could see that he just struggled in coverage. That really won't be that much of an issue with a guy like Power Eccles, who is is athletic enough to where unless you've got a guy that's just out there running a 4-3 straight line, he's going to be able to stick with them and it's it's going to be tough to find a way to match up against him if, if you're an opposing offense. And that's what I like so much about him. He'll, he'll help you uh, extend plays to the outside instead of being able to just go right through the middle because of how physical he is. And, you know, when, when he's coming downhill on blitzes, 
it's pretty much going to be like that, like we saw Chaz Surratt against Clemson. He is not a guy that's going to be afraid of contact from if it's running backs or even offensive linemen. He will do his best to run through whoever it is, and get to the quarterback. So there are a lot of things to love about him. 156 total tackles a year ago, 22 tackles for loss, 14 sacks. As a sophomore, 160 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, and nine sacks. And, I mean, he's won two uh, second straight year this past year that he won Defensive Player of the Year in the area. So he is as good as advertised, and he's a huge piece in this class. One of those guys that, when I look at his recruiting ranking, I just don't see how he's not higher. Rated as the number uh, 193 overall player uh, in the 2021 class and the number 7 inside linebacker. After that, um, of course, we know that Tim Brewster ends up leaving. Uh, Carolina was kind of left uh, a little uncertain for a little bit, but even after Tim Brewster leaves, he left on a Thursday. Gabe Stevens actually committed that Saturday. Uh, Carolina was able to uh, keep a hold of a guy that it felt like for a long time was kind of in Carolina's grasp. They had a good hold of. There was a little bit of concern when Elijah Burris ended up going to Hampton instead of coming to Carolina, Um, but Gabe Stevens ends up getting locked up as well. Uh, The number 228 overall player in the 2021 class, the number 13 athlete. And, you know, we talked about him. He was another guy that was on our list uh, for both of us, but really just a guy that you can plug and play uh, in multiple different spots. He can play a little bit of linebacker for you if he maybe adds a little bit more weight. He could play the hybrid safety linebacker position that we kind of think a guy like Kadri Jackson is going to fit really well once he starts playing a little bit more. And he could even also play safety, especially at his size and with his ability to cover, having played cornerback his first year. So really one of those guys that, again, probably won't get as much publicity, especially now with the guys that are at the top of the class, um, according to the rankings. But it's still a really key piece, and it's a guy that I think Jay Bateman's going to be really excited to add to his defense. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like you said, a guy out of Mount Arnold. Mount Island, excuse me, charter there in Mount Holly, North Carolina. Really just a superior athlete. Like you said, played a little cornerback, played some wide receiver there in high school. And a lot of times when you see guys do that, it can be based on their size in some instances. But with Stevens, it's just based on his athleticism. He's really got, you know, the elite qualities that you like to see. He can move. He's got speed. He's got strength. He knows how to, you know, get in space. And that allows him to have sort of some versatility in how he could be used, like you mentioned. I think that's something that, you know, as potentially being slotted in sort of a outside linebacker role, uh, if you'd see him on some of the um, of the snaps that he rushes the passer, he's got some quick bursts. Uh, maybe doesn't have those pass rushing moves that you'd see from a guy that's played a little bit more at you know defensive end or at uh, rush linebacker or something like that, just because he's had that versatility. But he's got quick bursts, like you mentioned, because he has that corner and safety ability. He can drop back into coverage. He can play some linebacker, and he's really. Got of frame that you know if you want to put him back there at safety he would you know he would do well back there he's got some ability and coverage so really just a guy that i think his best um attribute right now is his versatility and that's really as we've discussed on multiple occasions versatility is the name of the game in the jay bateman defense so really a guy i think that the unc staff is excited about really a guy that they want to use as a defensive weapon 
Yeah, I think uh, really just kind of a raw um, a raw player because he's played three different positions on the defensive side of the ball in high school. I mean, he started at corner his sophomore year, moved to really more of a uh, – not an inside linebacker role. He was still an outside linebacker but really wasn't rushing the passer. But then this past year turned into a pass rusher off the edge. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting what you said. I mean, he's able to get in there and, and, and really affect plays. I wonder if that was in part because, I mean, you're going up against – offensive tackles, especially Mount Island's a 1A school, so it's a little bit smaller. You're going up against offensive tackles that just are not used to playing against any sort of speed like that, but it's still a physical enough guy that I think, you know, you can't discount the fact that he is able to play that position, especially at his size. He has to be able to work against some of these offensive tackles that are athletic and and, and can uh, find a way to cause him some issues, and he's done that. So, um, I, I think that he's one of those guys that we just don't really know exactly where he's going to land right now. That's going to be one where we're going to see what kind of weight they try to add to him. But like you said, he's just so flexible that there's so many different areas that you can use him. And this is the thing that I think is important for a lot of people to realize. And again, I'm not trying to compare Gabe Stevens to him, but you look at the hype around Isaiah Simmons right now at the NFL uh, scouting combine. There are teams that are, are, if they had enough draft capital, they would probably be willing to go up to number two, maybe even number one to try to draft him because he's just so special. You can use him in so many different places. And I think this is what's going to end up becoming the fad for teams to try to find on the defensive side of the football because you've got these guys that now can run ridiculous 40s at wide receiver. You guys, you, you got guys like Tyreek Hill who can go out there and in, in the blink of an eye change a game. He did it in the Super Bowl. So I feel like that's what every level of football is going to be looking for now. Those extremely versatile guys that can play anywhere, that can stick with these faster receivers, that you know can can play multiple positions on your defense and and if you if you you're needed to. And I think that's exactly what Gabe Stevens will be able to do. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see what he ends up becoming. But it's definitely a guy that I think uh, Carolina fans should be excited about um, with the prospects of what he could become. After that, of course, not not far after that, four-star wide receiver Gavin Blackwell ended up committing to Carolina. He's now been dropped down to the number 122 overall player. He was inside the top um, the top 100. Uh, was rated in, I think he was 85th at one time, but it's dropped to 102 now. Uh, rated as the number 20 wide receiver and the number 6 player overall in the state of North Carolina. And this was a really big addition. A guy that we knew Carolina was going to have a really good chance with because Sam Howell was there. That's his high school teammate, but really a guy that in this class Carolina needed because the wide receiver position is a big position of need with all of the guys that are going to end up leaving. Gavin Blackwell is a guy that is pretty much as decorated of a route runner as I've seen for a guy that's at the that's a junior in high school and he was doing it from when he was a freshman. Um, really, just a, a good overall player that I think really fits what Carolina wants to do on the off uh, on the offensive side. I'm assuming that you were also pretty thrilled that Carolina was getting a guy that not only has familiarity with the current Tar Heel quarterback, but is a guy that, because of just where he's at, could be an early impact player next year. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely think so. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, really good route runner. Something that I noticed, um, you know, putting on his film is that he may not be that uh, Josh Downs or Tyreek Hill where he's just going to, you know, burn a defender and get all the space. What I really was, you know, really enjoyed watching his film is that he's got really good, what I'd call uh, burst or speed control. He is fast. He's, he may not be a you know a four two or four three guy, but he has this really really good quality where he can slow down and speed up almost instantly, which allows him to get that space. That's part of route running. Um, so he can find his ability to get open even without you know going on a go route or a slogan route or anything like that straight down the field. Uh, what I also found interesting was that even with his height, like, you know, listed at five eleven and a half, so just under that uh, six foot mark, uh, when you put him on the outside and put him on one-on-one situations with a corner, he can go up and get the football. He's got really good um, ability, a really good, you know, upward jump, really good hands, really fight through some contact. So, you know, I feel like based on his size, based on his build, people might slot him specifically into a slot receiver type role. I have no problem with putting him on the outside. Put, put a little bit more weight on him, have him get in a college strength and conditioning program. Watch out. He could be a really dangerous, you know, outside receiver, move inside at times, but really just a versatile wide receiver and uh, a guy that I think is pretty already advanced in his craft. And, of course, like you mentioned, there at Sun Valley, so has some relationship with current quarterback Sam Howell. So always good to get guys that are teammates, always good to build that community. So just an overall good guy to be excited about becoming a future Tar Heel. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, his size I think is definitely a little misleading because I, I've seen him in person multiple times when I used to go and watch Sam and actually – Uh, called the first game of this past year for him um, at when he was playing in the Charlotte uh, kickoff night game against uh, Charlotte Christian. And if you want to go back and watch a play that really is going to describe what he's going to bring to Carolina, um, just go back and watch his his, his diving touchdown grab in that game, uh, which was not really the greatest throw. They were starting a a, a freshman uh, quarterback in Carson Black, who we'll probably hear a lot about going forward in the 2023 class. But it's just a guy that catches everything. And I know that, and trust me, there will be times where he's not going to be able to haul in some throws. He'll probably drop some things. That's not what we're saying. But you're, you're right. At 5'11", it, it definitely shocks me when I whenever I watch him how well he's able to go up and get the football and fight through contact. Because at 5'11", he's not a big-bodied guy either. It's not like he's just a big, bulky 5'11 guy that goes up and gets the football. He's still relatively thin. Um, they'll probably put a little more weight on him, maybe not too much. But he's going to be one of those guys that I think just can, like you said, can be moved around anywhere. If they need him on the outside, they'll have the ability to use him on the outside. If they need him to stay inside and and help him out in the slot, they can do that too. But that's, I think, what Carolina is trying to look for with Phil Longo's offense is guys that just, maybe they they don't match the, the size criteria that most people end up thinking you need on the outside, but it, it doesn't matter. They're looking for guys that can make impacts, and that's exactly what Gavin Blackwell can do, and I think he's going to be able to do it early. I like what you said about the speed as well. Um, it's really just the short area speed that's that's kind of amazing. It's it, you, know, it, you think you have him contained, and all of a sudden he runs this crazy route on you, but you're just not able to stick with him because 
because he's able to accelerate so quick in and out of his breaks. That's what's so difficult about him. And the fact that he played with with, with Sam, I know from going out and, and, and talking to some of the coaches at Sun Valley, they ran a really complex offense. This was not an offense that people came in and, well, you know, you're in high school, so we're going to take it easy on you. Because Sam was as advanced as he was, they knew that, they were going to need to run a little more advanced offense to keep Sam from from getting bored with things. And so there were a lot of different gadgets and 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 things that they did in their offense that were a little more advanced, that were more college level. So he's going to come in prepared. He knows, you know, he'll know the type of lingo and everything. And the connection with Howell uh, definitely cannot be overstated. And so uh, the last guy that we'll talk about committed just the other night. Uh, it was a late night commitment. Um, and and uh, he, he's one of those guys that, I mean, you talk about someone that's been climbing boards. He has been doing just that. That's four-star strong side defensive end Keyshawn Silver. Um, he's the number 107 overall player in the 2021 class, the number eight strong side defensive end. And uh, this is huge because Carolina, we just we talked about them flipping Drake May from Alabama. Well, they landed Keyshawn Silver's commitment over Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, some of these bigger schools out there. They were and and this is not oh well they were in the race but let's be real honest they weren't really pushing to get these guy to, to get this guy Alabama and Georgia were actually I mean from what we could see there were articles written about them they were disappointed that they didn't land this guy because they felt like this was going to be a key player um, he's about as good as as you're gonna get at at the strong side defensive end position because of just how physical he is mixed with the speed off the edge um, I, I'm, I don't know if he's quite in the same on the same level as, as Desmond Evans was when we landed his commitment last year as a defensive end but there's still a lot of things to be really excited about and I know you were really excited the other night when they landed his commitment um, what what was your first overall thought around Keyshawn Silver a guy that has gone from being a, a, a middle of the road three star player to all of a sudden a guy that if he does enough things when he goes out to some of these camps could be heading into his senior year on the cusp of being a five star yeah, absolutely, and uh, like you mentioned, I mean, this was a this was a pretty big deal. I think it's on par with the Drake May commitment we saw today, and I don't say that lightly. Um, and even when you look at the Drake May commitment, that was a legacy prospect. That's you know a piece of that that you can you know look and say, well, you know, his dad went here, his brother went here. That's going to play a factor in his recruitment. Where Keyshawn Silver was a guy that really you know he was uncommitted. He had that national recruitment. He was being heavily pursued by these bigger names. Schools was heavily involved with Florida, with Alabama, with Georgia, like you mentioned. All were vying for his commitment and made sort of a surprise commitment here to North Carolina. And I think, you know, it, it really, as we've mentioned earlier, it speaks to the change that we've seen in North Carolina recruiting. I mean, before, you know, they're only getting some of the guys in state, now they're getting the guys in state. And, now they're getting the guys that are national recruits in the state. They're fighting off these elite programs for the guys that they want within their own backyard. And I think that's big, you know, not only perception-wise, but specifically with Keyshawn. I mean, he's he's an elite defensive end, really just knows how to blend speed and power there on the outside, has great length, uh, really has a good frame, can add weight as needed um, to be able to use him, you know, in, in multiple ways there on the defensive line. So like you said, I mean, he's a guy that I think – 
people are all looking out for as a guy that's going to be on the rise as the season goes on. We'll probably go to some of these camps, some of these more elite events. We'll be able to, you know, go one-on-one with the elite offensive linemen around the country and show what he has. And the fact that he's already committed to North Carolina, I think that's a big sign. One more thing about him, and I want to you know, pair that with what I said about Drake, is that when you build a, rec- a recruiting class, you need recruiters in the class. You need mm-hmm. peer recruiters. You need ringleaders. You need guys that you know are going to talk to their friends, to their teammates, to the guys that they're competing against. North Carolina is the place that you're going to be. And already, you know, talking about his commitment to North Carolina, Keyshawn has been very vocal of we're going to recruit in the state. We're going to make this the best class possible. We're going to go get all these guys. We're going to recruit the Evan Pryors. We're going to recruit the Michael Crowles. We're going to recruit the, you know, the Will Shipley's or what have you. They're going to go after those guys. So I think having guys like this in early, having guys that are national recruits, that are elite prospects, that are well-respected within the state, I think that's going to be huge not only in this class, but it's going to be huge in establishing the culture of the UNC program going forward. Yeah, I, I mean, you just you threw on the film of him, and uh, again, uh, you know, I, I think that maybe because of the level that he played at, um, you know, it, it's it's honestly just, uh, you know, people wonder at the prep level, you know, maybe he's just a little bit faster or stronger than everybody, but I mean, he's just dominant when you watch him. And and this past year as a junior, it's amazing. He pretty much just used speed rush most of the time because he just has the speed off the edge to beat a lot of these these slower offensive tackles. But you throw on his sophomore film, he shows you the physical side a lot more on the defensive end. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, we're not the, the, the physical side of his game didn't disappear as a junior. It was still there because on the offensive side, he played a lot of tight end. And, I mean, my gosh, you throw that on, and that is – I've, I've seen a lot of physical tape from a lot of these defensive linemen. Watch Peyton Page a lot. Um, this past year, just watching Desmond Evans, Keyshawn Silver throws people around like rag dolls. I mean, he is a, a guy that is not afraid of physicality, and that's exactly what you're looking for in your defensive ends because, you know, uh, it, it's great to have those speed rushers. You want those guys at outside linebacker from time to time, um, and especially in this defense. But when you get inside, especially where we think he's going to play in that four-eye defensive end technique, you're going to have to have guys that want to get physical because they're going to be going up against offensive tackles, offensive guards that are a lot bigger, that, that are they're going to have really good size, going to be probably north of 300 pounds. He has the physicality to be able to handle that and, and, and play well going up against some of the ACC linemen that he's going to see. And the other thing that I really liked about his tape, he's got the basketball background, which, you know, you can talk about the athleticism and everything. But I think another area where you see that basketball background come into play with him is whenever he's not able to get to the quarterback, he immediately gets his hands up and knocks the ball down to the ground. He did it multiple times on film, and that's something that you just you can't you can't undervalue. We saw I mean, Naz Jones, that was one of the best things that he did. He was never the greatest defensive tackle pass rusher that there was. Um, you know, he, he he was a solid 
pass rusher out of his defensive tackle position, but the best thing that he did was get his hands up. It resulted in a key interception that gave Carolina at least a chance in that ACC championship game back in 2015 against Clemson. You just never know when things are going to happen like that where you bat a ball up into the air and are able to make a play on it, and that's something that Silver does so often, and I think that could help when he gets to Carolina. So um, a really good overall player. One of those guys that his stats just really don't jump off the page to you. Like last year, 47 total tackles, 13 tackles for loss, and uh, led his team with seven sacks. Uh, But it's still a guy that I think when he gets on campus, even though the stats aren't there, he's he's a guy that has a ton of upside. And I think once they put the weight on him, he has a chance to be a really, really good player for Carolina. So um, that's why Carolina is where there is right or is where they are right now. Um, they are uh, having a fantastic uh, stretch here over the past about two months on the recruiting trail. Um, and right now, Carolina is definitely feeling it. But just focusing on those four guys right there that we just talked about. We'll leave Drake May out of it. I wanted to know from you, which one of these commitments do you think is the biggest out of the four? I mean, they're all big. We all know that they're a significant part of this class and of what this team is eventually going to be. Want to make sure that people don't think that's what we're saying, that one guy, that that guys aren't important. But out of these guys, who do you think was the most important commitment for Carolina? Yeah, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but I, like I said, I think Keyshawn Silver, uh, the most recent outside of Drake May, would be one of the most, uh, if not the most influential ones, just because of what it needs from a you know perception standpoint. I think perception is really huge in recruiting, and these kids, both locally and nationally, you know, care about that sort of thing. They want to go to teams that are winners. They want to go to teams that have momentum and have buzz and are really building something real. And I think that getting Keyshawn Silver, a guy that's not only on the rise towards being an elite prospect, but just being a really well-known and popular guy with elite prospects in the state, friends with, you know, Ra-Ra Dilworth, friends with Javarius Rizzi, friends with uh, Jared Wilson there at West Forsyth in Clemens, North Carolina. Um, a lot of relationships there that I think are huge and are huge in building your recruiting class. And that's something that you know prospects have mentioned specifically with um, having relationships with the staff. I feel like having relationships with other players and with people that you know that you see every day that are, that are peers. I think that's absolutely huge in building a recruiting class. I think, you know, like I said, Drake May is there. He's the quarterback. He's obviously going to have an influence, but I think Keyshawn Silver just going out, getting a guy like that that was such a wanted prospect nationally, it's huge. It's absolutely huge, and I think the whole nation has been put on notice about what's going on in Chapel Hill. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna go with Gavin Blackwell. Um, I think just you look at the need at wide receiver that the Toriels are gonna have next year. I mean, look, Bo Corrales is gonna be gone for sure. Daz Newsom gone for sure. Toe Groves gone for sure. And we we all think that there's a chance Deami Brown could be gone because just as as versatile as he is and as many things as he can do for this Tar Heel offense, there's a chance that the NFL could end up giving him a good enough grade where he ends up going a year early. If that happens, you're going to need wide receivers that are going to be able to fill in quick. We, I mean, we think Josh Downs is going to come in and have a huge impact. Antone Green, uh, we, we think if he can 
find a way to stay healthy. He's just had some bad injury luck his first two years on campus. He could have a big impact. But I think Gavin Blackwell is a guy that also can come in, make an immediate impact as a freshman. Um, and and I, I think, you know, you talk about a guy that has relationships around this area. He's got that relationship with Evan Pryor that I think just continues to grow stronger and stronger. And I'm assuming that he's also got some good relationships with some of these other guys. He's one of the reasons that Drake May, I think, is currently committed to the Tar Heels as well. Um, they, he has a relationship with him and, and I think was able to kind of stay on that and you know I, I think that's why if I had to lean out of, out of the four guys outside of Drake May I think I would go with him but it's close all of these guys matter you know like we talked about I mean I, I told you when we were going through uh, the list of the most important prospects in this 20, 2021 class I told you that I thought Power Eccles was probably the best player in the state no one was just giving him the credit so everybody that they've landed so far has their own role in why this class is going to be so important for Carolina football, and it's it's great to be a part of it right now. So um, I think that's going to uh, wrap it up. Any other uh, little tidbits or anything that you want to talk about before we get out of here on the recruiting front? Yeah, I think just overall, I do want to repeat, you know, it's a it's a great time to be a Tar Heel, and specifically a great time to be a, a UNC football fan. As you mentioned, you know, you reflect back on where they were in the past, where they've been, you know, in the quarterback room, in the team as a whole, in recruiting, and you just look and see where it's come to. It's really, it really just, you know, reiterates what we've said over the past few months of, there was not a better man for this job than Mac Brown. I still believe that. I'll still say that today. There was really not not a you know a head coach that was more suited to take over the the UNC program than Mac Brown. And it's you've seen the results. You've seen them last season, and you're seeing them now on the recruiting front. I think it'll only continue. All right, so we'll head to the forty yard dash to shut this podcast down. And as we start the 40-yard dash, we'll actually go back to one, uh, just a recruiting note here uh, for you guys. There are some major guys that are going to be taking visits to campus uh, here at the end of March. Tony Grimes, the five-star cornerback out of the state of Virginia, he is going to be on campus on March 20th. The day after that, five-star running back Trayvon Henderson will be on campus uh, on the 21st. And then James Blackstrain, uh, the wide receiver, the four-star wide receiver from the state of Florida. He will be on campus March 27th through March 29th. So some big names starting to uh, sort of realize what's going on at Carolina. Now they're heading to campus as well. So although we've got seven guys committed in this class, all of them from the state of North Carolina, I think that we're going to start to see some of these out-of-state guys taking notice as well. And you'll start to see some of those guys really uh, ramping up the visits to Chapel Hill to get a look and see if they feel like they fit there and of course we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on uh, all of the news around all of those guys as well. Meanwhile the Komen family donated $15 million uh, the other day and had the practice facility named after their late father and ex-Tar Heel football player Bill Komen. The donation will go towards helping student athletes in their time on campus uh, and on the field as well as once they graduate this directly from the Go Heels website and a uh, official statement from the program 
uh, announcing exactly where the money will go. Programming will center around preparing student athletes for their college career and beyond through academic assessment, study and learning preparation skills, leadership development, community involvement, and career opportunities. So really just something to help Carolina student athletes while they're on campus and when they get off in their postgraduate lives as well. So we thank the Komen family and now uh, it will officially be named the Bill Komen Practice Facility. That's where the Tar Heels will uh, hold their practices throughout the spring, which of course starts on March uh, 17th. Unfortunately, 12 guys will miss spring due to injuries and two more will be limited. Some of the guys that headline that list, Patrice Renee, Cameron Kelly, they will both sit out as well as Jaleel Taylor, a really big one um, there. And of course, uh, we got an article online where you guys can go and read about all of the guys that will be out, what those impacts will hold. And then of course, uh, we're going to have you covered as we get closer and closer to spring camp with all of the storylines that you need to keep an eye on the position battles to keep an eye on, as well as the guys to keep an eye on. One of those guys that you might be wanting to keep an eye on is a Sim Richards. Uh, Of course, you guys remember last year, he was a guy that committed out of the state of uh, Pennsylvania, and he has made a pretty solid impact. Was a guy that sort of moved up the depth chart uh, from the spring last year as they went into fall, became the backup uh, left tackle, um, played a little bit when Charlie Heck went down the first time. Joshua Zudu, of course, kicked over there in the game against Al. State, but a Sim Richards got a couple of reps there throughout the season uh, at both left and right tackle. And Mac Brown said in his press conference the other day that a Sim is going to be named the starter at left tackle for spring ball. Now, as we saw, of course, last year, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. You've got to still go out and prove yourself, but that's a big step in the right direction and also means that it looks like they're going to keep Jordan Tucker over at right tackle. We're, of course, keep you updated on all of that on HeelToughBlog.com. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Of course, as we mentioned, make sure you go onto the website, check out the Drake May Commitment article, big one that we've got going up there. We'll also, in the coming days, take a look at some of the other major prospects in the state and see uh, who should be on Carolina's radar next to try to add to this 2021 class. And then, of course, we will have you covered with everything that you need to know for spring ball when it starts on March 7th. 17th all the way up until it ends on April 18th with the spring game. A lot of great stuff that's going to be coming out of there. And of course, we'll be going back on here on the podcast and having on guys like Lee Pace, like Pat James, like Jacob Turner, all those types of guys that will come in and help you get through spring ball and give you all the information that you need to know. Um, Also, make sure if you're on the website, you're checking out the basketball coverage because we've got a huge game coming up this weekend against Duke. It is the second matchup of the season, this time in Cameron. We'll have you covered with everything from the preview to the recap to my analysis of the game. And then, of course, we'll turn our focus to the ACC tournament as Carolina tries to make a historic run and find their way into the NCAA. NCAA tournament and what has been a down year for Carolina, but could all turn around if they're able to do that. Of course, we have some baseball coverage as well. Key series against Notre Dame. The baseball team dropped the first game of the weekend uh, today, but they'll try to find a way to rally and still take the series against Notre Dame. We'll have you covered with all that as well. HeelToughBlog.com. Of course, with this podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you can tell us how we're doing. And also, you won't miss an episode because we are going to start ramping it back up here 
here as we start to get into spring practice. Hoping to get a lot more guests on as well because after spring practice, we'll start getting into sort of what they call the magazine season, the preseason where we'll have a lot of our guys on. We hope to get Brett Ciencia of Pick 6 Previews back on this year. Phil Steele has been a guy we've had on the last two years. Going to try to get him back on. Stephen Lassen of Athlon Sports. So there's going to be a lot of great talk in the offseason as we get you prepared for what should be an unbelievable 2020 season to be a part of for Carolina football. So for Zach Hubbard, I'm Anthony Pagnata saying so long. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the podcast. And as always, go Tar Heels.